Welcome to the Soul Center Podcast. We are your co-hosts, Master Healer Ariella Halevi and Rabbi Dr. Baruch Halevi, Rabbi B, your healer and guide on the journey of life. In this podcast, we will explore all things spirituality, meaning, and healing, from Kabbalah and the healing of your soul to shamanic energy work and the healing of your past, from ancient wisdom traditions to guide your spirit to modern tools to live your life. The Soul Center Podcast will empower you on your journey to heal yourself, discover your soul purpose, and live a soul-centered life. And now, on to the podcast. get started then. Uh, I'm Vanessa Johnston. I am an end-of-life doula and the vice president and uh, co-founder of the Colorado End-of-Life Collaborative. Uh, We also have Cindy Kaufman on the call. She's the president of the Colorado End-of-Life Collaborative. And we are so honored to be presenting this event on the Day of the Dead. Happy Dia de los Muertos to everyone. Uh, we're so honored to have Rabbi Baruch and Ariella Haleve. They, um, I'm sorry if I don't get the pronunciation. <laughs> they are the owners of Soul Centered here in Denver. And uh, Rabbi B is going to be uh, our guide for today. And Ariella is a healer. They have a wonderful center for meaning, spirituality, and healing in Soul Centered. And they have lots of programs that you can check out on their website, which is mysoulcenter.org. They have um, Carry the Fire, a program uh, focused on dealing with grief. They have Your Sacred Body, dealing with healing. And so all kinds of things to help you deal with um, what they call the the T's in life, the transitions, tests, trials, traumas, and tragedies, particularly for those in the afternoon of life. But uh, I have a feeling that they could guide and help heal Uh, anybody who came to them, um, at least help them get in touch with those tools within themselves to do that. So today we're going to be talking or they're going to be talking about uh, a topic that is just fascinating to me, especially on today uh, of all days. So it is um, Healing the Dead, a spiritual two-way street. So we're going to let them kind of take over and and, um, explain what they mean by this and how we might go about it. And we're going to plan to to wrap up at two. But if there are questions and you want to stick around, um, they have graciously agreed to do that. Um, If you want to put things in the chat, Cindy, are you going to kind of keep an eye on that? And if people have questions, um, we can address those. But otherwise, I will turn it over to Rabbi B and Ariella. Thank you so much for doing this for us today. Uh, and we are recording it. So uh, we'll have the recording later for everybody. Thank you so much. I'm going to let Ariella start, but I just want to check uh, logistics and everything. Is, is the sound okay? Sound good? Yep. Sounds okay. good. Yep. And it's a small enough group that... Um, you know, if you want to jump in, you can jump in, but you can also type. I got the chat open, so we'll respond right right away. Start. And I think we know almost everyone here, so that's like a little gift in itself. Oh, great. <laughs> yes. So um, thank you so much. Um, we are so honored to be here. Um, Cindy and Vanessa, thank you so much for having us. And, um, you know, even though we are talking about um, healing the dead, this is a for me, it's it's just such an interesting and 
in a way, uplifting topic. So um, we are excited to dive in. Maybe first we'll just kind of tell you a little bit more about who we are and what we do, and then we'll move forward. And again, like like Baruch said, like B said, just jump in. If you have any questions, you can put them in the chat or raise your hand and we'll feel free to make this a discussion as well. Um, so I am a master healer and I help people uh, really find the roots of their wounds and their traumas and why they can't heal on so many different levels. And I do that through mediumship, through intuitive guidance, ancestral healing. Um, I also teach Kabbalah and um, through energy, energy medicine healing. And my passion is to help mostly women is to help women um, really move from a place of grief, loss, trauma, wounds to a place of inspiration and transformation and excitement about their lives. And ultimately why, why we are so passionate about doing this is because so many of our clients have lost people. And from that loss is the potential for a great, beautiful life, even through that loss. Um, I also hold a monthly healing circle, which actually starts tonight. So I'm going to put in the chat, we put in the chat. I'm going to put in the chat, um, you're all invited. It's a complimentary healing circle. And this is for all people that just are feeling overwhelmed by life because of the energy that is moving way too fast for all of us. And perhaps you have had a loss, perhaps you're going through transition. And this is going to be intuitive guidance and meditation, um, some energy work and just some whatever kind of spirit leads us to. So that's kind of a continuation of our discussion today. So now I'll let you take over. Um, so I think I do know most everybody, but not everybody. So I'll share a little bit about my journey and why and what we're presenting today. So Baruch Halevi, you're welcome to say Baruch, but most Americans opt out of the ch sound. So just be, uh, I've gone by Rabbi B for 20 years. So whatever you'd like to address me as is fine. Uh, I am a rabbi. I've been a rabbi for again about 20 years. And during that time, I've had the honor and privilege of being with people at the most um, vulnerable, shattering and, and important times of their lives, and in particular around dying and death and grief. I wrote a book on it. I went back to school and um, got a doctoral degree in counseling. And I uh, wrote a book called Spark Seekers, Morning with Meaning, Living with Light. And for me, it's professional. It's also personal. My um, father completed suicide 15 years ago. My grandmother completed suicide when I was 15. Um, myself and my, my sister, she became a psychic medium. Her name's Rebecca Rosen. You might know her. And myself became very passionate about guiding people, um, I think, in response to watching my dad descend into darkness and not having um, a articulated belief system, knowing where to go or what to do or how to connect, believing that his mother was dead, um, not understanding that he now had an opportunity to help her heal on the other side. And so I've spent my, my adult life, my professional life, helping people understand essentially that it is a two-way street, that they speak to us, we speak to them, they can help heal us, and we can help heal them. And that's going to be the nature of our talk. And I'll just lastly say I'm a logotherapist, meaning-centered psychotherapist. And it's the work of Dr. Viktor Frankl, Man's Search for Meaning, Holocaust survivor. And really this dovetails into his work because out of the Holocaust, right, he ultimately said, it is our obligation to discover meaning, possibility, purpose, and transform darkness into light. And that's what I have seen people do in the uh, face of death 
uh, in the aftermath is to proactively consciously face it, to go into it and to discover the sparks, which is, I think, what we're going to do right now. Yeah. Good. So let's dive in. Um, somebody asked, what time will this Zoom meeting be? I'm assuming tonight. Um, it will be at 6 p.m. Mountain Time. Sorry about that. Um, so yeah, let's have a conversation. And that's what we like to do together is we have a lot of conversations. We started that 23 years ago and it continues today. Um, so in terms of these conversations, we chose the day of the dead to, to do this talk. Number one, because, um, and I'll get into a little bit of the, the reasoning why at this time of year and why it's so important, but most of all, like B said, there's this idea that, you know, you go to a psychic and you receive messages or you go and you want to, you ask for your loved one's guidance. And so this time of the year is to uncover the, the awareness that it's a two-way street, that we affect the dead as much as they affect us. And during the year, I, I always think of summertime because summertime is the hardest time for me to connect. It's, it's like this outward kind of masculine energy where it's hot, you wanna be outside. Um, the, the veil is not as thin as when it gets darker, right? When we go through the, the autumn, the equinox, the, this idea of, of energetically connecting as it gets cooler. So as we head towards Halloween, we think of Halloween as this day of like excitement and candy and fun and costumes, which it is, we just went last night with our, 10 year olds. Um, but really what it is, is this collective energy towards the spirits. We are taking this, oh, it's so much fun. And we think we see ghosts and we see like our crazy stuff outside in our front yard. And it's not just like we have fun stuff outside in our yard. If you think about collective holidays, they have an energy to them. And so the fall is this collective idea of kind of moving in. The days are growing shorter and we're getting more quiet. We're going more inside. That's a feminine energy. And so the veil becomes very thin between us and our loved ones that have passed on. Can I just jump in? I want to jump in. Um, thanks for having me, by the way, when growing up, I was always the Jew in Nebraska. You can imagine I was the token Jew and now I'm the, always the token male on these calls. So thank you for having yeah. my people. Um, I'm happy to represent. I, um, I, I really thought about this when you were talking that it is because if you look at other holy days, like the Jewish holy day of Yom Kippur is the day of the dead in Judaism. And it's the shift into autumn. It has to be. And really just listening to what you're saying is so true. It's, it's a collective energy that we intuit, that we, we are going inwards in this shift, which is why in the spring, the, you know, the day of the dead wouldn't work in the spring. Easter, Passover, these are rebirth holy days on the spring side. So really just listening to the energy as we go into it makes sense. Right. So All Souls Day, I think there's All Saints Day, Day of the Dead. These are all days where we remember and again, you know, every, as you said, every hall, every religion has its day. Um, but there's also this more of this idea of like a, a day of the dead kind of energy, which is a collective energy towards the psychic, right? Towards the idea that, that we are, there's not one special person that is quote unquote psychic, that we are all psychic. We are all intuitive. And this is the energy of, especially now in the world that we are living in, if you are in tune with anything that's going on in our world, you know that the energy of the world is moving really fast right now. Um, a lot of um, what I do is kind of sit in meditation and feel the energy. 
And everyone can do that. You just have to get quiet enough to do that. So by feeling in with the energy of what we're going through and what we're moving through just to, in our world, we are able to discover that the, again, that that veil is very thin and our job now, because this, the, it's getting colder, it's getting quieter. Our job is to, instead of running out there, right? That's a summer thing. We want to go run and do, but fall and slash sort of winter is that turnaround where we become more feminine and we become more introverted, not, not introverted, introspective. And so if you have this desire, because you can feel the winter coming and that stuff coming up, it's an invitation to really go down deeper inside and tap into your intuition. So the day of the dead, just like Halloween, just like Yom Kippur, just like other, is an intention. Right. And I, and I think what we're saying is setting an intention for this season. Um, we just wrote a blog on Thanksgiving and we're it's going out this week. Why this week? Because Thanksgiving isn't what happens on the turkey day. Thanksgiving is a process of opening to gratitude. And if it's just reserved for that day, how many blessings and possibilities are missed along the way? So really starting to open as we enter into the dark season and to be vulnerable, because really that's, you know, when we, all of us here, when we've lost loved ones, we, I know many of you are death doulas, you escort um, loved ones into the next world. It's the ultimate of vulnerability to hold that space, to remain open to them and to feel that pain. Ariel always talks about, you know, you got to feel it to heal it, to, to feel your feelings. And so really setting an intention over the next few months. So let's, let's go in a little step deeper, right? So we have this idea of the veil is thin, we're setting the stage. And now let's go a little bit deeper as, as how and what are the principles of connecting and why? And so kind of what we said is the idea of connecting is we've always seen it as a one-way communication. Oh my God, I just received a message from my grandfather. I mean, last week I was at the chiropractor's office when I wasn't supposed to be there and I had changed the, the time and I was sitting against the wall and listening to my chiropractor have a patient. He had a patient in his room and it was an older woman. She was probably in her eighties, 85, 90. And she was talking very loud about this condominium that she can't remember the name of. And wasn't it beautiful? And she described it all. And she was describing the condo that my grandparents had bought and lived in, in Santa Barbara when I was growing up. And she walked out and she's like, I can't remember that name. And I was like, it, I know that name, it's Bonnie Mead. And it was just like, she was talking about my grandparents and where I spent my childhood. And I'm sitting here in Denver at the chiropractor's office. You can't make that stuff up. So the, the beautiful thing is, yes, I received a beautiful message from my grandparents. I just felt all that love. And now what is our responsibility to give back in that way? It's not just, oh, thank, it is thank you, thank you, thank you, because I loved it. But how do we then turn this on its head and give back to them? How do we do that? How do we do that? And here's the answer. <laughs> Aren't you glad you tuned in? Um, so I'm going to just... Um, go back in time a little bit to the Torah, to the Bible. Um, I'm a Kabbalist, mystical Judaism. I'm not that interested in all of the, uh, the dogma and the rules and, you know, the details. And I'm interested in all isms and where they, especially where they all kind of cross over and this will ring true wherever you come from. 
You know what the number one commandment in the Bible is? You probably would guess it's something to do with the dietary laws or the worship or whatever. It's actually remember 169 times. Remember, 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 remember over and over and over. Why remember? You only command what needs to be commanded. You don't command your kids to eat more candy on Halloween, right? It's, it's unnecessary. They will do it on their own. So why command us to remember? Because we will forget. Remembering is an active process. We think of it as a passive process. Oh, I had a memory. But from a Kabbalistic perspective, it, the, the word is zachor, for any of you who know a little Hebrew. Zachor means remember, but it's also the word for masculine, like Ariel is talking about. It's an outward energy. It's a doing energy. It is not a passive energy. How does that change our relationship with the dead? When we start to see it as an active process that I am a participant in creating, in manifesting, in perpetuating this life. And so I, I come to a, a teaching that I share. I've done 500 funerals. I've shared it at 500 funerals. I'm sharing it again. It's the most important teaching I've um, ever been given on, um, on remembering. And it's this, a person dies two deaths. Once when their body dies and once when their story dies. And there's nothing you can do about your loved one's physical death. They, their body has died. But you are a guardian of their story. You are a guardian of their memory, of their name, of their essence, of all that they represent. That puts us into the driver's seat. That makes us powerful, right? And so we become creators in this process of remembering. And that's the foundational idea, I think, to start with of what we owe the dead. First and foremost is to actively participate in the creation of memory. And so part of remembering is also a two-way street. It's remembering them, right? And so so let's just take that. It's remembering them. Um, I was we were walking last night, we were trick-or-treating with a new family that we met through our son's school, and they're from Mexico City. They moved here three years ago. And he said, part of the way we celebrate is we make an altar. And every year we make an altar and we put up our grandparents and our relatives. And we put candy around it and we have like a celebration. I think that's sometimes in our Western culture, we forget like to, to really honor the dead. So many of us have, we've been through the therapeutic system and it's about, you know, disengaging from our parents and having boundaries from our parents. And, and I think for me, um, reclaiming my mother's death, um, who she died three years ago, you know, I spent a lot of time putting up those boundaries and those walls and healing from my childhood and all of that. And what I came to and what this, this dad helped me remember is that there's a lot of good that comes from the memory of our loved ones. Yes, they are flawed because we are flawed. You know, we are human and they were human too. So they have hurts and wounds and traumas just like us. And if we spend so much time pushing them away, then sometimes we forget 
the memory, those, those really positive memories. And so he reminded me that like every time he puts up an altar and, and you can create this at home, it doesn't have to be an altar. It can be like a little, I have a space where I work and, and it's a table and there's my mom when she was a little girl because she looks so beautiful. And there's my mom and myself, and there's my grandfather and my grandmother. And it's like a whole little, like a remembering, right? So part of it is remembering who they were those good, those resources and the ruptures. And then the second half of this is remembering who we are. See how that relationship is like fluid. It's together. It's not just their memory. It's our memory. And we're going to go deeper into this, but it's, it's a remembering of who and where we came from. It's a remembering of the fact that, you know, there's a lot of fear and we all have a lot of fear, but fear and love don't, it's like oil and water. So it's remembering that you are ultimately love. It's getting to that place where you know who you are. And the more you, you know, uncover that, it's like a, like an unpeeling of an onion, the more you keep uncovering layers, because that's why we're here on this earth to uncover those layers, the more you heal your loved one on the other side. Um, it is, it's like a, it's like, you're still together, right? You're not be, I know the physical body is gone and believe me, we've been through hell. We know, but we also know from just communication that the more we uncover those layers of who we are, the, the more we help our loved ones ascend, they are still working with us. And the veil is very thin. So continuing on this idea of, of memory of remembering is an active process Again, I think that that for me is the starting point when I counsel people who are going through grief because we just chalk it up to, you know, it's it's not nothing, but it's not something. But from a mystical perspective, it is a something. You know, right now you can hear me. How can you hear me? If we had some physicists on the call, maybe we do, you, you'll correct me. And you'll tell me that there's energy, right? There's waves coming through and it impacts your eardrums. And my my energy is, is literally entering inside your head right now, for better or worse. You know, I'm sorry. But that's real. Like there's a real transaction that just occurred. Otherwise, you couldn't hear me. There would be no connection. Thoughts are things, right? They're not everything, but they're not nothing. We know this because right now, if I think hard enough, long enough, I can stress myself out. I often do. Right? I lay in bed awake at night. Why? Because I'm creating energy and I've got to slow my energy down and harness my energy. When you're feeling pain, suffering, that is energy. That's intense energy. People will say to me, they don't want to feel this way anymore. You know, what's worse than feeling bad, feeling nothing, feeling nothing. Apathy. It was Ellie Wiesel who said the opposite of, of, um, of hate is indifference. The opposite of love is indifference, right? Love and hate are on the same spectrum. They're interconnected, they're energetic. And so when you're feeling that pain, when you're feeling that grief, when you're feeling anything, that's energy. So as we're thinking, we start directing our energy towards our loved one. Like Ariella was saying, remembering all of them. I know a couple of people have lost loved ones to suicide on this call. And you know, one of the most tragic things about a suicide is that the person is oftentimes for the rest of our lives held to their worst moments, their worst five seconds. Most suicides take place within five seconds um, of a 
tragic decision, but that invalidates the entirety of my father's 69 plus years. It doesn't, but it could because for a while it did because I was thinking over and over about that, that, that became his story. And I was carrying that story, that piece of who he was. And over the years, what I had to do was let go of that story, right? Let that go to the earth, bury that and carry something else, something more, a higher vibration, a higher energy, that love. And what happened was I transmuted, transformed my anger right into love because they're right next door to each other. Much harder to go from apathy to love than anger to love. And so as we're doing this in Kabbalah, this is called tikkun. Tikkun means repair. We're actually repairing them, healing, we might say in English. Um, we're healing them. How? Because my dad, your loved one, a person, a spirit is stuck in this world. And we'll talk more about it. I'll let Ariella jump in. But they get stuck. They get bound up. They get trapped here in fear and negative emotion and anger and all that stuff. When we start releasing it, we start releasing them. So let's talk about that. How do they get quote unquote stuck? And I hate, I hate when people say that because put it on the list. I have a running list. It's like so long. I can't even go in here. I don't like it because Sorry. <laughs> because um it may i have this this like it's scary to think of somebody stuck right so i actually don't like thinking that because they're not quote unquote stuck the way we think they're stuck right that's not that's an earthly term they don't get stuck like we're feeling so stuck we could we're so depressed or we can't move forward they can feel us and that's, I think, what you mean is like... No, I mean stuck. stuck. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, you know, we have to... Do you have any marital off. family therapists on the call? <laughs> this could be like a free hour. Yes. <laughs> we'll take it offline. Okay. They don't get stuck. They, they... Okay, so the point is, is that he always messes me up and then I laugh and then I get off my, my game here. Um, the point is this, is that they are still in relationship with us, right? So tikkun, the word tikkun means to heal. And so you, you, when a person first passes on, you have obvious permission to do whatever you need to do to get through the day, right? And as, as life continues, our obligation in a way is, or, or I like the word responsibility, is to start healing, is to start building ourselves back or in a different way through grief. And so part of that healing, which we call tikkun, part of that healing is to understand what, what the relationship holds, right? Because the relationship doesn't die. The relationship continues on. And so if we are, quote, if we are stuck, then they feel that stuckness. So many people that we have counseled and guided have, have had years and years of feeling like they're not living after someone passes on. And that is the last thing that they want from us. Whenever, ever, Hello. Hello. Um, Hi. Hi. Welcome. Hi. <laughs> um, whenever I am in a healing with somebody, I think we need to. Governor Paul has ordered one month pause.
Well, I mean, can we ask you to mute yourself, please? I can't do it. Um, yeah. Okay. So when we are in, um, when I'm in doing a healing with somebody or I'm in a, in a, a guidance session, um, the first thing that always comes up when we are working with somebody who's moved, who's passed on is that the person doesn't want you to stop living, right? The person who you have lost wants you, needs you. So that's the difference. Of course, they want you to move forward. It's okay, Jamie. Um, but they they need you to move forward. It's still a two-way street. You're still in a relationship with them just because you don't see them physically, which hurts, right? It hurts. There is a, my mom died three years ago. I, I ache for my mother. Not a day goes by that I don't wish I could have her here physically. But I also know because I have sat and listened to what she wants for my life. And I know that she wants me to surpass her. She wants me to heal so much, so greatly that she heals too. And that's our job because once we, once they enter more of the, um, you know, the, the next world, they do their own healing, but we here on earth, we have a greater capacity for healing because we chose this. We chose to be human beings on earth. That choice gives us the freedom to heal great wounds. We all come in with a set of soul agreements that we came to learn in this lifetime. We can change that. It changes periodically. As you heal, you move forward and you heal more and you open to yourself greater. But we came here to learn those lessons and our loved ones are here kind of living through us. So if you are, if you, or, you know, somebody who is and it depends on what stage of grief you're in, of course, but if you feel stuck in grief, remember that it is still a tikkun is a relationship. So what do you need to do? And we're going to talk a lot about tools. What do you need to do to heal your body, your mind, your spirit, your soul? How can you move forward so that your loved one can move forward? I'm, I'm stuck on stuck. I just want to come back. Um, and, and you've said it a couple of times. So I think we're in agreement. I know we're in agreement. And it is that nothing in this universe stays static. Nothing. Everything is either living or dying, right? You're growing or you're contracting. Those are the only two energies. From a mystical perspective, one side is... God, div divinity, light, right? It's listen to this and tell me what you hear that's common to all of these. Buddha, Krishna, the original name for Jesus was Yeshua, Allah, Yah. I could go on and on, right? What is common to all of the deities that every religion says this is our Lord and Savior? Ah, they all have ah. Why? Because ah is an open sound. It's an open syllable. There's no closure to it. It's expansive. Divinity is expansive. It's, it's by definition, it's living, it's loving, it's growing, it's infinite versus the alternative, which are closed syllable sounds like shalom. That's a chant. And you bring, you know, closed to it. And so there's just two different energies, ah and om. And ah is life and living. And when our loved ones um, get stuck here, 
their energy, for instance, you know, like I'll just come use my father because he's my go-to. When he chose to leave this world, he got very stuck here. I could feel it. Everybody could feel it. When there's a suicide, there's a process where we got to get him unstuck, right? He's trapped here. And if there's fear, there's heartache, there's pain, there's suffering. We owe it to him to work through that stuff down here. And as we're working through it, we're opening it up. We're releasing it because it does get trapped here. I think you've all had that experience where you've gone into a home that feels haunted. It feels closed. It feels like it's not living. I had this experience. Um, I had done a funeral for somebody. I hadn't seen them in a year. So I went and checked on them. I wrote about this in Spark Seekers. And I went to their home. Their, their curtains were drawn. The house was like a museum. It felt like the day that his wife died, he stopped living. You could, it was palpable. And what did we do? Literally, we opened the curtains and that was just symbolic of all the opening that we started to do together. And you could feel as he started opening, as he started moving out into the world, moving forward in his life, the energy was unstuck. Well, Kabbalah says it's not just him that started living, but his wife, her spirit continued the journey. I love that. And I think that goes really nicely with this idea of how do we continue the journey? How do we continue this healing language? How do we do this? Um, one part of that is, is thinking about, I'll give you an example as I, as I explain this. So my mom passed away. We always use our parents because unfortunately we have them as examples. Um, my mom passed away three years ago and it began the healing journey for her and I. Um, she, she wouldn't tell me that she was dying, even though I, I knew she was dying. We all knew she was dying, but she wouldn't talk about it. She refused until literally her very last breath. She refused to acknowledge that she was dying. And so I, my sister and I had to just kind of work around it because we wanted to honor her all the, you know, knowing that she was dying and that complete frustration and, I had a lot of feelings about that. And so as she, when she passed on, I was able to not only do a lot of healing work just around her death. She had cancer for six years and refused to talk about her death. And so I had, I lost my mom six years, six years before she passed. And so that whole healing process would not start until the day she took her last breath. And it continued over the next three years. And what's happened as this idea of tikkun, what's happened is not only do you tap into the idea of healing this relationship between you and your loved one, but then there's this, these doors that open. If you're willing to sit with some of the silence and the pain and the tears and write about it and think about it and talk about it or talk to somebody about it, is there's this idea of ancestral healing. In Judaism, we call it Lador Vador. And the idea of ancestral healing is healing your generations. In, in Judaism, we pass down the Torah from one generation to another on a bar mitzvah, on a, on a rite of passage. But really what this is, is we have the opportunity when our loved ones pass or even when not, but to think about not only your loved one who passed on, but all the roots that come before that loved one that she or he is now a part of. So in some ways, it's like this beautiful awakening. I can, I almost can see it intuitively of like this entire community that your loved one just 
you know, acquired wings to, right? So she or he is now a part of this beautiful community that goes past generations before we even know, before, you know, we don't even know them. But what we can do is we can start intuiting from this loss, all the ruptures and the resources, right? The positives, the gifts, and also the wounds, like we're, we're all of those. What are those things that have been passed down through that person to you, or is a part of you that you want to move past in this lifetime? Like, just think about it. Maybe write it down for a second. If there was one thing in this lifetime that you would want to release from your generations, from like ancestors, what would you release? And just think about that. That's part of this lineage healing that comes often, I find when I work with people, it often comes because of a loss, right? And that's part of this whole beautiful healing because then what happens, shamans believe that when you start looking at your ancestral lineage and your losses, not your losses, but the, the repairs, you can start healing seven generations down your line, whether you have children or not whether they're on the other side or they're here, or you don't even have, you can change the world by healing your past because it's connected, directly connected to your future. That's what your loved one wants from you. So continuing on this um, repair and generations, I, I look at it as a um, chain and a link gets broken, right? And in lots of different ways. I mean, suicide is an extreme, but there's so many different ways. There's, you know, there's all kinds of neglect. There's, there's family traumas and dramas, and you know what they are. I don't. I was I was um, studying the Torah with my ten year old son, and we were looking at the book of Genesis and Abraham and Sarah and Hagar, Abraham's second uh, wife on the side. And my son's like, "There's a lot of drama in this." I'm like, "There's a, there's always been, there will always be." You know why there's no such thing as a dysfunctional family? Because there's no such thing as a functional family. It's like an oxymoron. It, there's no such thing. And so our work, our tikkun, our soul contract is our particular stuff. You think, you know, we call it in Yiddish, mishigas, like your craziness is unique to you, but it's yours. It's you've inherited it for generation upon generation upon generation, and then comes to you and you're called to the plate. You're at bat. This is your turn. It's your time. And you have the opportunity, like you're talking about, to mend the chain. And when you mend that chain, right, generation upon generation upon generation, reap the benefits of that. And your loved one on high, who's responsible for breaking the chain, reaps the benefits of that. And I, I use that word very consciously. Um, when people die, we like to turn them into saints or Satan. Usually it's one or the other. Right. We just remember, like, I can't tell you how many people um, were like us, were, were mediocre, you know, average people. And then you listen to the eulogies and you would have thought, like, I just buried Mother Teresa and I thought she died years ago, like over and over and over again. And sometimes I'll be counseling somebody in grief and they won't want to touch the dark stuff of grandma. Right. Nope. That's off limits because she was a saint. Right. She, she was so pure. She had an immaculate conception like her and Mary. Like that was it. Like she never even had sex. That's how I got here. So there's this purity that happens. And we, we owe it to grandma to desanctify her, to bring her down, because she can't heal if we don't 
face it and feel it and address it and repair it. So my grandma is a saint. She uh, is. Except she's not because she was so busy, <laughs> Grandma Flo, she was so busy doing saintly stuff, right? We call it in Kabbalah, tikkun olam. She's repairing the world. And lots of Jewish people know this idea, fix the world, fix the world, fix the world. Um, your house is on fire. Like your marriage is falling apart. Um, we got a lot of dysfunction here. It's not just the Bible. So maybe we should fix ourselves and our family and then, you know, concentric circles out to the world. And so I've had to do a lot of work around. She was an amazing woman. She gave us so many blessings. And one of the curses, one of the shadows was that there was no sense of self. That was selfish, right? Being self. That's why we call it soul centered. It's not so selfish to get soul centered, to put yourself at the center. And so one example is we're repairing her energy, her life, completing it. In many ways, it's, com it's a completion because now we put ourselves at the center before we go helping others. And we're doing really well in our marriage. I think in no small measure because of this intention and that you're willing to tell me when I'm stuck. <laughs> oh, yes. And his grandmother was a saint, but you could see, I have this vision of her. We would go over there. We would go visit in Nebraska and she would get up before everybody else after dinner and do the dishes. She would put on her yellow gloves and she wouldn't let anybody else do the dishes. And, you know, she was 90, I think, and she was still doing dishes. And, but part of that was adorable and cute. And the other part was that she never rested. She never was able to receive. She gave and gave and gave, which was amazing, but she didn't have that receive button. So, you know, we learn from them. And then what happens is that we return. We return. When we learn from our loved ones, we return to, to spirit, to God, to source, whatever you call that great feeling of consciousness when you are one, when, if you have ever felt that, and if you haven't, then there's the work, right? That's okay. It doesn't come all day long every day. When you feel it, you know you're in it. And it's like, oh, I just did some healing and I, I'm opening my eyes to what needs to be repaired, to what is beautiful, what is ruptured. And now I can return. And returning is twofold. You return to yourself, your soul, to spirit, to source. You return them. The, I had another client that said like, oh, I don't want to do this because I don't want my loved one to go farther away from me. I'm afraid that I won't be able to contact them if they're higher. And that is just, that's like the opposite it's is fear. true. It's fear. Right. That's, it is. The opposite of love is fear, right? So the more you love, and we're going to get into this right now, the more you love, the more you return to that love, if you want to call it love, the more you return them to that love. And then like my grandfather is my angel. He's my guide. He's been gone for 31 years. He has done the work. You can feel it it's palpable. He is, he is higher up and he all, his messages to me are always, you're doing the work. You're helping your mother do the work and you're helping me do the work. You are the one that's helping. I am also the black sheep of the family right? I'm, I'm the black sheep. I'm the one that was kind of like not liked for a really long time, still not so liked. And, but I am, I'm here to do the work, right? And that's uncomfortable sometimes for people, but that's the return. We get to return. 
So I think and we're going to end with some tools, practical ways to really embody this, because it's just so important not, not to leave it up there in the yeah. ethos, bring it down into your life. But before we do, um, one of the things I see counseling people through grief is what you just said, which is there's a fear. And I just did a video on this this morning because so many people say to me the same thing. Um, I'm afraid to move on, right? Because they don't want to abandon their loved one. They don't want to betray their loved one, feel like they're moving on. When I say to people, it's, it's true. Don't worry, you'll never move on. If moving on means leaving them behind, you can move forward, you can carry them onwards, but this is not about moving on as an abandonment. It's about carrying on and living because as you do, they live. And as you ascend, they ascend. So your client who said, I'm afraid that they're going to ascend beyond me, but you're going to ascend. That, that's the symbiotic relationship. My relationship with my best friend, Mark, it hasn't stopped he, I've ascended over the past couple of years since he's died and I can feel he's ascended and we're both going higher because of it. And there will come a point when I cross over, God willing, it'll be a few years from now, but there will come a point when I cross over and that energy has been set in motion, right? A basic law of physics, uh, an object that's been set in motion stays in motion. And so you start now and you start early and you start proactively and you create this momentum of love and, and, and there's, there's only two competing energies, as we talked about before, divine, light, love, open, expansive, or closed, fear, right? Fear in Kabbalah is called constriction, right? Because you can feel it. When you're in fear, everything gets smaller and you constrict. And so our work is to open up during this time of vulnerability and stay open and have faith and move forward and ascend. And that's really the healing theory framework. Right. So let's, let's go into some tools. Like how do we actually do this? How do we help ourselves ascend them ascend? How do we do this? Um, I like to call it practical magic because this is the day of the dead, right? So let's create some magic and we're all magical. We're all magical. We all can open to our own unique magic. It just sometimes takes a little bit of of searching, it's like taking a flashlight and searching in the dark, of figuring out like, well, what works for me to create magic? What works for me may not work for you. So we're gonna go over some basic things that can get you to start thinking about how do I bring these things into my life? So we're gonna start with the word, practical magic, magic right? Abracadabra. I'm gonna let you explain that one because that's Kabbalistic and I don't remember why we say abracadabra. Because it's magic. <laughs> <laughs> everybody knows that. Um, so abracadabra, what everybody doesn't know is it's actually Aramaic for yes. Christians on the call. It's the language of Jesus um, spoken outside the land of Israel 2000 years ago. And a lot of Kabbalistic texts are written in Aramaic, but it's avra means I will create kadabra as I speak. Speech is creative. If you look at the, the original um, Kabbalistic text, the Bible, how is creation made manifest? How does the divine enter this world? Through through communication, not speech, through communication, because sometimes communication is nonverbal, right? Thoughts are communication and body language is communication, energy is communication, speech is certainly communication. But as we communicate, we create. It is the greatest capacity we have as human beings to become divine-like, according to Kabbalah. 
And you know this because words can also destroy. How many people on the call remember 50 years ago being called that nasty name on the playground, right? Sticks and stones can break my bones is like the stupidest saying ever. Um, words can never hurt me. Words can destroy, but words can also repair. And that's really where we get to with Abracadabra. So going along these lines, so it's communication. The number one way or one of the ways to create practical magic to build those bridges between you and them is to start using communication. Communication comes in all forms. So here's an example. Communication comes in terms of your own body, right? How do you communicate with your own body? Does your, does your <coughs> sorry, is your body giving you messages that you're ignoring? that you're like, oh, I know I need to, I know I need to do this, but I just can't do it. I know I need to do this or, or your body's really talking to you and you just can't listen. Maybe you can't listen, but that's communication. So communication between you and your body, communication between you and your soul. So every single day I sit in my chair and I communicate with my soul, meaning I speak out loud some of you on the call knows, knows, um, knows this, but I speak out loud to whatever is going on in life. If I am scared and I can't find my way through the darkness, then I'm going to speak and feel up through it. And the, the idea of these words coming out of my mouth releases from my body, right? And who am I speaking to? I'm speaking to my soul. I think I'm speaking to spirit, to God, source. So that's one way of communicating is communicating with your soul. So just adding to that, and then you can take back over. Um, in Kabbalah, the word for soul neshama is the feminine. And so when I work with clients, and most of my clients are women, so it really resonates, um, naming her as she, capital S, or her, capital H, and starting to bring her into our language. So I have a client who I work with who just doesn't make time for herself. She's like my grandmother. And we started to put on her calendar a date with her, capital H. And now it's in her Google calendar, a date with her. And she's forming a relationship. But the other piece of this is her, capital H, that deeper piece of you resides with your loved one. Like we, we get so caught up in our time and space, but that piece of me, she right now okay. is intermingled with my loved ones. And so there is a connection. And when you start talking to her, mm -hmm. relaying message through her, right? Okay. And, and thinking about her as a connection to your loved one, I think really changes the experience. Right. I mean, I was going to say like the next part of that is speaking to your body, speaking to yourself, your soul, speaking to her, to God or source spirit, ultimately speaking to your loved one. Right. So it's all these divine ways of communication. That's part of this healing. That's part of these practical, magical tools. Speaking out loud moves energy from your body. I'm a big energy person. I love to move energy from bodies. <laughs> I know that sounds weird, but I believe that, that you can do things that can move your energy and make you feel better and more connected. So that is one way of doing it. Another way of doing it is through healing. And so let's talk about healing is like a big word, but let's talk about just briefly what healing is. So we thought of joy. Part of healing is joy is doing what you love. If you're not doing what you love a couple times a week, at least, then think about ways that you can add more joy to your life. If you are not finding it as we acknowledge that 
joy in our life, we bring in source more, source energy. That brings your loved one in more. It opens your heart up. So the veil is very thin between you and your loved one. You don't need this day to connect with your loved ones. All you need to do is go outside, walk around and think, oh my God, I'm walking. I am, which way should I turn? The other day I asked, which way should I turn? And I turned right because I heard right. And I ended up seeing somebody I hadn't seen in like five months. And we connected and we talked and I was, and I was thinking like, that's life. Like that's joy. So following those breadcrumbs, following the divine breadcrumbs to bring you more joy, asking, which way should I go? Start simple. What should I eat? What should I wear today? Where, where should I go today? I would just add to that, that really reframing it too, as this is not just about me because today is about the day of the dead. And this is about them too. I'm actually, I'm hurting my loved one when I, when I don't see joy, when I live in darkness, when I stop living and the alternative is I help them. I I release them as we've been talking about. And joy is the highest energy level according to uh, Reb Nachman, who's a mystic, said um, it is higher than all energy levels. Joy will shatter all darkness. And so consciously entering joy for myself, because I see this with clients. Again, there's that reluctance of I don't want to betray them. I don't want to um, live when they're not here. We're actually hurting them and we serve them when we choose consciously joy. And joy is not happiness, right? Happiness is a thin version of joy. You can be heartbroken and still have joy. Right. And so another part of that, uh, of healing is, is, and actually joy is forgiveness. A lot of, a lot of us don't feel for not only have a hard time forgiving or finding compassion for the people who have passed on, but also mostly finding compassion and love for ourselves. The more we can work on why we can't forgive ourselves for certain things, If you can make space to just have that conversation, forgiveness can come years later. It can come in five minutes. It just depends. But if you can find that forgiveness, then you can make more room in there for joy. And that makes more room for spirit to come in more room for your loved ones to flow through you. So it's all, it's kind of like a, it's like a cycle, right? So finding that forgiveness, that compassion for yourself, healing your shadows, healing what hurts you instead of pushing it under the rug. I always say a lot of us live from the neck up and we don't really connect to the experiences of our body. Because if you connect to the joy, I always find this when you connect and really just open to the joy, part of that is also feeling the stuff that hurts. It's really hard to say, I'm just going to connect to this unbelievable joy and then say, well, I'm going to push away that stuff that hurts. That's spiritual bypassing. Eventually it's going to bite you, right? So opening to the joy, knowing that yes, those shadows will also arise and being open to them too allows for more healing to come in. Those are, that's practical magic. It's practical, but it creates the magic. So I just want to take a moment and there's a quick exercise. Everybody take your finger. I think everybody has a finger here. Everybody has a finger. Now point to yourself and just hold it there. Just point to yourself. So 99.9% of the time people point here. Every once in a while, there's a nudnik, a pain in the ass in the 
crowd who goes like this. Almost never. <laughs> Susan, I, I know you. Um, <laughs> I'm just glad you use the index figures. Um, but why do we do that? Because we know intuitively we aren't here. Like this is a piece of who we are. But when you, at the end of the day, I'll never forget. I counseled a, a neurosurgeon once. And I was pushing him on is something of ultimate importance, ultimate reality that transcends this world. Nothing. Even your love for your kids. No. What are you feeling? Serotonin. I'm like, holy shit. <laughs> Those kids are going to be in more therapy over that one statement than anything else. You feel serotonin when you look at your children. Like you are so up here. And at the end of the day, it is down here. And this is joy. And so a lot of times what I do with clients, because you know this is what you're talking about, is help them get from here to here. And this is the longest journey we will ever make. And it's a necessary journey if you want to talk about moving through grief and healing your loved one, because this will trap you in circles. And you just got to listen to Ariella and really come down into this region. Right. And so part of this is the next step in practical magic, which is prayer. Prayer, you know, you can redefine it. It's not a religious thing at all. Prayer is just communication with the divine, with whatever you may, it could be the trees. For many years, it was my dog until I realized that I could switch For soulmate. it. Well, I've had a couple dog soulmates until I, you are too, until I realized like, I, <laughs> I'm stuck again. Okay, <laughs> okay prayer. Prayer is the act of asking and receiving, right? It's about, and you always say this, it's about filling yourself up. What is it? Like create this relationship. It really goes back to abracadabra. It's communication. What is it that you need, want, and desire? Not on a, yeah, I mean, we could talk about manifesting, but I'm not talking about manifesting. I'm talking about your deepest love longings and what is in your heart, the more you open and ask the divine for those messages, that guidance, the more that you have to give. It's a two-way street. It's with your loved ones. It's with spirit. Opening up to that simplicity of pure joy is about prayer. When I go walking my dog every morning, I've always said this, when I go walking my dog every morning, it's a communication, not only with my dog, who's my soulmate, but it's with my, it's with it's with spirit. It's the source. What can I do today to see and feel and know more love and more joy? And then your job is to wait and watch and listen and, and feel into what source is bringing to you because source will bring you things every day, all day long. If you listen, they may be mundane. You know, that book, God and the small things. I think there's a book called that. And there's a, it's about finding the joy in, I think there's another book like chop wood. What's it called? Chop wood, carry water. That's a Buddhist saying. Um, yeah, but that's not it. Like after ecstasy, do the laundry, something like that's that. That's a book. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's <laughs> okay. We need to do a meditation. So you end and then we're going to do a meditation. I think we've said it all. I just want to walk away from this conversation um, with the understanding that if we give away our power to anyone or anything, 
right? We have fulfilled our purpose in this lifetime. We are here to be powerful. If I had the Marianne Williamson quote, I would end with it, right? It scares us how powerful we are. We are sources of light. According to the mystics, we are the incarnation of the divine. And when our loved one dies, of course, we need to go through a process of constriction, of getting smaller, of going into the darkness. You got you to feel it to heal it. But then you have to stand up and walk around the block. So in, in Judaism, um, when a loved one dies, you sit Shiva, seven days of intense darkness. You just go in it. But on the seventh day, you're commanded to stand up and walk around the block, even if you don't want to, because it's symbolic of saying, I will rise up out of this place, I will take back my power, and I will share my light. And so walking away from this day of the dead of absolutely positively, they can bring light into our lives. We need to ask for it, we need to open to it, we need to receive it. But don't forget your role, you are a creator continuously in their life. And as you shine light and live your life, they ascend. Welcome any questions or thoughts, but also it could end on that peaceful note, whatever works for you. And thank you again to the End of Life Collaborative. I know some people on this call are new to the End of Life Collaborative. Um, so check it out. And we're, we're uh, what's our technical role sponsors? We're uh, affiliate members. Affiliate members. <laughs> thank you guys. Yes. Thank you. Yeah, that was also amazing. You've been listening to the Soul Center Podcast with your hosts, Ariella and Baruch Halevi. If you'd like to learn more about Soul Center, please visit mysoulcenter.org. You can find us on Facebook and Instagram at mysoulcenter. And if you found meaning and inspiration in this podcast, we'd love for you to leave us a five-star review wherever you listen to your podcast. We'd also love to hear from you to connect with you. So please reach out to us. And until then, we wish you Shalom, Salam, Namaste.